Space, the final frontier. This is the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. It's mission to explore the solar system, to seek out new observations and data. To boldly go where no podcast has gone before. And now the host of the Observer's Notebook, Tim Robertson. Hello and welcome to episode 125 of the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. I'm Tim Robertson, the host of the podcast and also the coordinator of the training program within the ALPO. Thanks for downloading and listening. The ALPO collects and analyzes observations of various solar system bodies and associated phenomenon and publishes detailed reports concerning these bodies in its quarterly publication, The Journal of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. This podcast depends upon donations from you, our listeners, to keep it alive. If you enjoy what you hear on the podcast, you can donate to it via Patreon. You can start by giving as little as $1 a month. If you feel even more generous for $5, you receive early access to the podcast before it goes public. For a monthly donation of $10, you receive a copy of the Novice Observer's Handbook. And for $35 a month, you receive producer credits on the podcast. To find out more, you can go to www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Observer's Notebook. And if you'd like to join the Alpo, membership begins at only $18 a year. You can go to, go to www.alpo-astronomy.org. And yes, we are also on the Facebook. Just search for ALPO Astronomy. And this also this podcast also has a Facebook page as well. Just search for Observer's Notebook. And if you enjoy what you hear and want more, you can always subscribe. That way you'll never miss another episode of The Observer's Notebook. Now, a very special episode of The Observer's Notebook. Hope you enjoy. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back to this edition of The Observer's Notebook. And I have to tell you, on back in June, I received an interesting email in my inbox, and it was titled Reorganization of Mead Instruments, and that really caught my interest. Um, it basically said Orion Telescopes and Binoculars announced today the formation of Mead Activation Corp, an affiliate of Orion that has acquired substantially all of the assets with Mead Instruments. And I thought, well, that's that's good because I had heard that Mead was in some financial issue over the past few years. And here comes Orion in to swoop and save the day. And we're very lucky today to have on the podcast Peter Moreau, the president of Orion and Mead Instruments. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tim. Uh, it's great to be with you. Yeah, great to have you on. I really appreciate it. Now, before we get into the subject matter, why don't you talk a little bit about yourself? Uh, what, How long you've been with uh, Orion? and uh, your interest in astronomy and things like that. Sure. Um, I My background's in uh, distribution. I grew up in the distribution business, B2B sales, uh, business to business, uh, merchandising, warehousing, transportation, IT, um, general management, um, and then kind of segued to e-commerce, uh, first B2B, and then uh, B2C sales and merchandising. So that was really my background before I was hired by Orion. Uh, I started with the company in July 2007, yeah, which is uh, about a year before the crash, right? Where right. things got really interesting. Um, so yeah, I was hired as the business guy, the general manager, 
by the old owners of Orion, which at the time was Imaginova Corp, which was owned by uh, private equity financial investors. And um, yeah, so that's how I ended up at Orion. And in 2017, I led a employee buyout of the company. So oh. Orion today is uh, owned by employees and we're locally owned in the greater Watsonville area. Okay, Watsonville is Northern California area. Yeah, we're about um, just south of Santa Cruz. So we're about an hour and 10 minutes from San Jose Airport okay. along the coast. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Okay. And what about your experience in astronomy? Well, prior to uh, Orion, I really didn't have any. Okay. And um, I think that's. Uh, I think the thing that excites me about the the hobby or the business is that the the seeing people get excited about it, particularly young people. So mm -hmm. uh, my daughter's had a few star parties and watching her friends see, um, you know, the rings of Saturn for the first time, I think is that's to me is when the young people get excited about it. So I don't pretend to be okay. a, a hobbyist. I'm the business guy. Um, that was hired to run the company. Uh, okay. But I get excited when other people get excited about it, when our customers are excited about our products and mm -hmm. using our products for the solutions so that they have a better experience. That's the part of the business that gets me excited. Yeah, I've been a customer of Orion for many, many years. And I got to tell you, your customer service has always been great. It's never been a problem. So it's, and being a, I guess, being a employee-owned business, they take a lot of pride in that as well. Thank you. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been different since we've owned the company. Uh, there's uh, 10 of us. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a different dynamic. And I, I think it's been a positive one uh, for the company. Okay. Now, what, what sparked the interest to acquire Mead? Yeah, I don't think we have enough time on this podcast <laughs> to talk about the entire story, but uh, let me give you the abbreviated version. All right. Um, so I've been here, like I think I said, since 2007. So, mm -hmm. you know, it was no secret that Mead, you know, at the time was a publicly traded company and had been having deteriorating financial results. Mm -hmm. So I was aware of that, you know, soon after I started the comp started with Orion. Um and that you know they were publicly traded, so their financial information was disclosed publicly. Whereas you know most of the businesses in our worldwide hobby are privately owned, right? And so you know there isn't a lot of information about how your competitors are really doing, et cetera. So, but in their case, they were publicly traded, and so every quarter they would disclose, and it was clearly deteriorating. Mm -hmm. So we were aware of that, and. In 2013, they decided to make an attempt to sell the company uh, because they were basically reaching the end with the current situation. And we had always coveted Mead. Um, so mm -hmm. the brand, the products, the unique products, the IP, um, the factory in Mexico, uh, product engineering resources, right. um, the B2B sales network. So Orion's really B2C for the most part, um, but they have a B2B through a very strong specialty hobbyist dealer network and a distributor network worldwide. So that was attractive to us. 
And clearly we thought that there would be operating leverage between the two companies because we do a lot of the same activities um, and have some, you know the same functional departments, et cetera. And we knew a lot about how to run part of their business. So, you know, we, we thought it was a great opportunity. So in 2013, um, while we were still owned by Imaginovo, we attempted to buy the business. Hmm. Um, and at the time, we were not successful. We were disappointed. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the way it went. But we didn't know what we know now, which is that the, the defendant and the co-conspirator had illegally gotten together and acquired the business, which we learned about over the subsequent years. And it came out at trial with our antitrust trial in November, 2019. So, so we, we discovered what had happened uh, and that clearly what had happened in 2013 wasn't on the up and up. So anyway, so we had always had an interest in acquiring Mead. Okay. All right. Now, what changes are you making or have you made in the organizational structure of Mead? Well, I think that a little bit that's important before I answer that is to understand kind of how the whole thing went down. Okay. Because I think that you know, there's some misconceptions maybe um, in the market. So uh, after we won our jury verdict in November 2019, the defendant immediately put the company in December into bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. And um, I think a lot of people, including myself, are not familiar with the Chapter 11 you know, bankruptcy process. It's very detailed. Um, nothing about it is simple or easy. And through that process, um, you know, the creditors committee of which Orion was the largest creditor, um, we, you know, tried to sell the company. Um, just, you know, and unfortunately, there really weren't any, any serious offers for yeah. it. I think they were scared off by Mead's historical problems, mm-hmm. um, both financial and operational. Uh, also, this was happening during COVID. So yeah. it just made you know due diligence or investigation and stuff really difficult for everybody. And also there was significant supply chain risk uh, in that the defendant was the largest supplier to Mead. And there was concern that, you know, that that relationship might not continue in a positive way, which turned out to be true. Mm -hmm. Um, So you kind of had all that going on. And at some point it was, we were either going to have to liquidate the company and, or Orion was going to have to take it over and reorganize it. So that's kind of the, the, the dirty of what happened. Okay. Um, I think that there's a lot of misconceptions and maybe people have half the story and stuff, but you know, it was really kind of, there was two choices, liquidate the company, which I think would have been very unfortunate or right. Ryan had to step up and reorganize the company in bankruptcy. Um, so we, we chose to, to, to step up. And in, in our case, since we'd been through this antitrust lawsuit, which was really about competition and the lack of, and the illegal behavior of the defendants to see the, you know, Mead exit the market just didn't sit well with us. Right. And clearly we, we'd been interested in the, the assets, et cetera. But so that, that's kind of how we got to where we are. Um, and so effective June 1st, we took over the company through the reorganization process. Okay. All right. 
So what were your next steps in that reorganization? Yeah, so we, we've been sprinting <laughs> since uh, we, we took over. Uh, very exciting. We're running two companies now. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the first thing is trying to figure out the right investments and trying to um, start making positive changes as soon as we can. So I think it's fair to say that uh, Mead had some customer support perception reality deficiencies, I think is probably a nice way of putting it. Uh, <laughs> there was also some uh, quality assurance issues, mm -hmm. et cetera. Um, so those are a couple of the first ones that we've started to, you know, we've taken some steps to start to address. Uh, we are hiring people on the customer support side and getting them furiously trained so that we have just more resources around that. Second, we've invested in tools um, so that we are better able to you know, respond to, track, et cetera, customer communication, uh, new IT email, chat, phone systems, et cetera. So a combination of personnel and tools, um, those are steps that we've already got in process. On the quality assurance side, this is more difficult and is going to take longer. Um, but we started the process um, with our own factory to, you know, figure out, you know, what's the customer feedback, where are the problems, you know, where are the problems originating, and how do we start to identify, track, and fix problems. So this is going to take a while, but we acknowledge that it's a problem and we're working on it. Okay. Um, the third thing, which is huge, is we have to reboot the supply chain. Um, the, as you may be aware, the worldwide supply chain, not only just for astronomic products, but in general, is very pinched right now because right. there's a shortage of a lot of things. There's a shortage of raw materials. There's a shortage of, of uh, steamship capacity. Containers are in the wrong place. Uh, there's a lack of um, over-the-road um, capacity, et cetera. So the whole supply chain has been stretched. And in the case of Mead, um, we're having to reboot the supply chain uh, and replace you know, some of the key vendors in order to secure the tooling and parts and stuff we need in order to be in full production. So that is really you know, one of our top priorities. And so that just kind of dovetails into the factory in Mexico, uh, has been there for a number of years. We've got a number of opportunities to improve it and we're working on that as well. And then I think that the last um, thing is that we're working on product development, right? You know, what are we gonna do? What's new? How do we bring it to market? When can we start doing this? And so I would say that those are the kind of the top five investment areas that we're working on. Um, yeah. And okay. we've got our hands full. Yeah. All right. Well, as, as a consumer, um, uh, once we've got the product, we, we are concerned about service and warranty issues as well. How is, how are those things being handled? Very good question. So on the service side, as I just mentioned, we are hiring more people and training them okay. so that we have more need people who are doing product support, who can answer end user customers and also dealer inquiries, inquiries and distributor um, inquiries. And as part of that, we're updating the tools and adding more tools so that we can, you know, better receive track, respond, 
to customer inquiries. Um, so as I mentioned, that's that's in process and we're building that out and that's happening today. Um, on the warranty side, uh, it's a little bit more interesting in that, you know, because the company was in bankruptcy and we acquired the assets mm-hmm. and not the liabilities, you know, technically yeah. we're not responsible for the warranties. With that said, you know, we're going to try to do what is, you know, the right thing here. So past warranties we're making every effort. We're going to support them. If product is out of warranty, then we're going to make commercially reasonable efforts to try to support those products. Uh, We realize there's a significant um, established group of meat customers, and Mm -hmm. some of them are going to have problems and we want to support them. So, you know, we're working through it. We've got the processes set up uh, almost in order to be able to receive uh, product back that needs to be fixed, whether it's in warranty or out of warranty, and get it turned around. So a lot of that stuff's about to get turned on in the next week or two. Um, and then I think we'll be able to slowly, slowly start ramping that up so that you know we're fully supporting the Mead products. Okay. Now, Mead's facility is here in Southern California, correct? Well, it was. Okay. But it's not anymore. Okay. I didn't know if you guys had moved it or okay. So we have relocated the business up to Watsonville where we are. Okay. That makes sense. And we have uh, consolidated it with Orion's uh, office and additional warehouse space up in Watsonville. So the Irvine office and warehouse has been closed. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering because you're the president of both if you were making that commute (laughs) between the two. But no, that's good that everything is centrally located. Well, and the other and the Mead employees were working remotely already, virtually. And Ah. so they're they're continuing to work virtually. Okay. Um, Yeah. All right. So are are they you do you consider them till still two separate companies? Yes. Um, I think that, you know, they're going to remain separate okay. for quite some time. Part of because that is the brand. Leave. Well, it's the, well, you see, I want to start with the good news. Yes, it's the brand, but also there's legal stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> and whether it's because of the bankruptcy, because of tax reasons and stuff, the two companies have to stay separate. Uh, but clearly we're going to keep the, 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 the brand separate. And so I think that there's been some speculation about what we would do and not mm. do. And here's, here's what I can tell you. As an example of something that we're not going to do, Orion is not going to get ACF telescopes, right? Those are Mead branded products. Those are Mead products. And we're not going to make an Orion version. What do you uh, mean by corporate? ACF? Just uh, the Schmidt Casses, okay. the Orion, or excuse me, the Mead Schmidt Casses, which okay. um, the version for Mead are ACFs. And um, Coronado, for example, is an important mm-hmm. uh, product line and brand, and it's going to keep the solar telescopes and stuff. At some point, will there be some changes and stuff? Yes, but we've got mm-hmm. so many opportunities, which is what is part of the exciting thing about this whole thing is there are so many opportunities right. to leverage. Uh, the capabilities of me to develop and implement new products and stuff that uh, I I think we're going to have plenty to do. So anyway, so we're going to keep the brand separate. Um, Mead has to make money on its own. Mm -hmm. It's got its own profit and loss statement. 
and we need it to make money so that we have profits to invest in the company to do the things that we've been talking about. Yeah, a lot of amateur astronomers that I've talked to, there are a lot of me loyalists out there too who are really excited about this move. So it's 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 I, I don't know how, what kind of customer feedback have you received from it? Well, I think to be fair, I think there's been a lot of very positive feedback. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of hope mm-hmm. that that Mead is not only going to survive, but is finally going to start to prosper, and um, you know, and, and and get back to being a market leader in this in this category. Um, but I think it's only fair that there is some skepticism. Mm-hmm. Um, there's people there are like, okay, let's wait and see what happens. So I would say. A lot of positive feedback and some, and I think it's probably fair. Wait and see. Let's see what's going to happen. Um, and I, I can understand that. But uh, I think it's been very positive because I think people want to see the not only the brand, but the products, the company uh, remain as a viable competitor in the market. Okay. All right. How, how has this affected uh, Orion, the people at Orion, things like that? Well, uh, we've been doing two jobs for a while mm-hmm. now, be, before, during the bankruptcy as part of the planning, and then now post since the acquisition. So uh, we're running two companies now, not just one. So uh, uh, I think people are feeling a little pinched, a little stretched. Mm-hmm. It's probably a nice way of putting it. I think there's excitement because you know most of the employees know we tried to buy the company earlier. Employees are familiar with the antitrust litigation. Um, they're excited about the possibilities of the Mead products. Um, also, you know, Orion plays really in um, the beginner and the intermediate um, space. We have some products, you know, our bigger go-to dobs, some of our refractors, a few of our cameras and stuff that are in the advanced space. But Mead really is in that space, right, with the, mm-hmm. um, the big... Uh, OTAs, uh, Coronado, the mounts. So they really get into the advanced and expert customer segments more so than Orion does. And I think that the Orion employees are excited to have, you know, our own brand to be selling to um, our customers, those products as well. So I think that the excitement about the technology and the opportunities um, has been really good with the Orion employees. Okay. Yeah. You mentioned Orion's place in amateur astronomy. And I have to tell you, one of the things I like about your website is that it not only has items for sale, but the number of educational links to help new and even experienced amateurs in a number of areas. I mean, it's great. You have stuff, how to do astrophotography and everything on there. So your website is really a great resource for amateurs. And for those listeners that haven't been over there, to other than look at products, go over there and check out the information that's available on the Ryan website as well. Cause it's very, very, very informative. Thank you. So we have that community tab where a lot of the mm-hmm. content is. Right. And, um, you know, we, we want people to have good experience with our products, mm-hmm. right? We, you know, yeah. And, and we want them to have a, a, a good experience with the hobby. Um, and so I, th- I think it, 
it's the burden is upon all of us in the industry to figure out how do we help people, um, you know, really maximize their enjoyment in the hobby. And to the extent that Orion has quite a few customers who are, you know, beginners or they get a, they get a, their first product as a gift. Mm-hmm. We want to find ways to help them get started so that they're successful so that they stay with the hobby and we can increase the, you know, the size of the market and the number of customers and people who are enjoying the hobby. So I think that that content is an important part of us trying to contribute to that. Yeah. You're doing a good job of it. You really are. I point a lot of Thank people you. when they come to me and ask me, what type of telescope should I buy my grandson? Well, here's a website that has telescopes for sale, but they also have information on what, how, how to pick a telescope. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. Thank you. It is. Yeah. Now, what are some of your current concerns? I know the, the more, number one is probably the pandemic issues with not only say you have people working from home full time, but also how it has affected your supply chain because everybody's trying to buy telescopes right now and nothing's out there. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, the, the hot, and I, it's, it sounds that the, the hobby benefited from COVID and it, it sounds bad to say that, mm-hmm. but it between last year, right? We had the SpaceX launches, we had the Comet, right, and we had more people who were working from home. Uh, air travel was reduced. A lot more people were having staycations. Um, they were doing more driving vacations, and I think a lot of parents or families were looking for, you know, STEM-related educational things to do at night that mm-hmm. was healthy, that was outdoors that didn't involve electronics maybe. Um, so I think on the beginner side, there was a big infusion of people into the hobby and that increased demand. And then I think uh, the hobbyists, you know, found that they were at home as well and they were looking for the same thing of, you know, what am I going to do at home because I'm not traveling and stuff. So that kind of both segments increased their demand last year and the industry really couldn't adapt to that demand because right. of the lead times. And then, you know, you have had COVID outbreaks overseas. Uh, you've got worldwide shortages of raw materials, uh, labor issues, uh, foreign exchange challenges, and you wrap all that up and the, the demand has been, you know, much stronger than the supply. Um, and I don't think that that's, you know, the, the supply issue, I don't think is going to get corrected mm. until maybe after March, 2022. Really? Um, and the only thing that would change that if there's a significant softening of demand, um, and, and granted things have slowed a little, have slowed a little bit this summer because that compares versus last year are so strong, but there is a fair amount of robust demand right now mm-hmm. that has continued. And, I don't think that the supply chain is going to catch up anytime soon. Yeah, it's crazy. I go on Cloudy Nights, the website where you know they have a great classified section on there and stuff. And you'll put something on Cloudy Nights, and that day you can sell it. It's amazing. The, the demand for used equipment right now as well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's no different than in the car market, right? That used cars oh. are at the highest percent of, you know, versus a new car today. And I think you see that in the used market for astronomy equipment as well, because the demand again is so much stronger than supply right now. Yeah. My wife and I are RVers. And so it, it, the whole RV industry is really going up crazy right now because people are 
working from home. Now they're realizing they can work remotely from anywhere. Well, and you know, every RV should come with a telescope. Funny you should funny you should say that because lately when we've gone out, I see more and more people with telescopes at night at their campsites. It's kind of interesting. I used to that was only star parties before. Now it's you know I I think that you know, whether it's a telescope or at least minimum binoculars, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think that that's that was one of the factors that, you know, helped drive demand last summer is that I can't prove it. You know, I don't have, you know, firsthand data, but it feels like that maybe that helped spur whether it was camping, RVing, et cetera, is that more people were outside and figuring out, hey, you know what? I got this great opportunity to look up at the sky and yep. I need some equipment to do that, right? And like you mentioned last year, the comet really, Neowise really helped it out as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So other than uh, the pandemic having to do with supply chain. So you said you see probably March of next year is when things might be loosening up a little. Well, I think that the challenges for the holiday, right, which is November, December of this Mm. year, right. Mm. For product to be available for shipment, that means it needs to be manufactured no later than October Mm. traditionally in order to get to in the supply chain to get to a distributor to get to a retailer. Well, we already know that you know shipments are already booked well past that, mm-hmm. which suggests to me that getting capacity to move freight is going to be challenged mm-hmm. all the way through the holiday. And then you get into first quarter of next year and you've got Chinese New Year, you're going to have shutdowns and a whole bunch of other things. Right. The economy is strong. The worldwide economy is strong. Um, and you know, there's this shift from, from goods back to services and stuff. But as we mentioned the the demand for products, um, remains strong. So I don't think things are going to significantly improve before end of March, unless something happens with demand. Okay. All right. Now, what do you think? I mean, saying all that, what, what do you, what's your opinion of the current state of amateur astronomy? Oh, I think it's very positive. Um, I, I think that we are very fortunate that the sales results from last year uh, opened the, you know, the window or the door, whatever you want to call it, to a lot of new users. And I think that those folks who bought telescopes, binoculars, and kind of got a taste of the hobby, and then you know, clearly with SpaceX and then mm-hmm. um, uh, Bezos and um, in Branson, right? It's mm-hmm. the extent that they're keeping, you know, space flight in the news, you know, in the right. regular media every month or so, that's good. And so when you get people talking about this, the, the hobby, or at least talking about space, that's good for the hobby. Mm-hmm. And I, so I think that the, the potential demand or people coming into the hobby is in a really good place right now. And then I think that, that, you know, as the technology is advanced, that there's just going to continue to be technological improvements in the equipment that is going to make it more powerful, more useful. It's going to make um, certain aspects of like imaging easier. And I, I just think that that's all really good. So I think we should be excited about the outlook for the hobby for standing here today on what, July 30th or so? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Now you talk about new customers coming in. Are, uh, do you have a profile of what the new customer is? I mean, is it an over 60 guy who, who now has some disposable income and isn't working regularly anymore that can afford to do this? Or is it new people, young people getting into it? What, 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 what is your gut feeling on the new customers coming into the hobby? So we think it's both. Okay. So there's yeah, the first group that you mentioned is somebody like my profile that, you know, grew up with Apollo mm-hmm. and a little different, maybe has an engineering background mm-hmm. um, or a math background, um, had an interest in astronomy all along and is now at a place in life where maybe they have more time. And so the, you know, the comment of last year and the, and the work from home itself may have spurred them to, you know, actually get out and, and buy a first telescope. And that's clearly a profile of some, some level of the interest in the hobby. Um, and then the second one was clearly people, you know, young people who received gifts, mm. you know, it was a family related product. Um, and those are younger people that are getting exposed to the hobby. Um, hopefully those people are going to stick with it. Right. Um, I think that the first group is more likely because they're at a different place in life. They have, you know, some economic means potentially to buy equipment and they have more free time and flexibility. It's important that those kids who are getting exposed to it through their families and stuff, hopefully they're going to discover a, a lifelong love of astronomy. And uh, I guess we'll find out over the next five to 10 years. Yeah. And that has been the struggle in amateur astronomy that I've seen. Uh, the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers, their average age is 65. <laughs> you know, it is it is the older generation. I'm, I'm 65, can't say the older generation. It's that generation of individual. And trying to get younger people in to stick with it is really tough. And I even know in our local astronomy club here in Ventura County, it's the same thing. I mean, Kids will come in if it's part of their college class that they have to get extra credit, and then and then we don't see them again. You know yeah. how do you how do you plant that seed and hook that you know in their mouth to keep them in the hobby? How do you do that? So I think it's outreach, and one Which of is the almost impossible to do right now. Well, sure, just you know, it's 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 much more challenging now, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the reality is, is that they, the company selling the stuff have to make more money so they can invest in the outreach uh-huh. because the, that that's, I believe this for a while, there's been a number of efforts within the industry to try to do some things and stuff. And, and one of the barriers ends up being the, you know, the money, the ability to, to invest in outreach without a clear ROI on that investment, Mm -hmm. just because it's the right thing to do. And Mm -hmm. it feels like it's the right thing to do, but that takes, you know, bandwidth resources, money, et cetera. And, you know, hopefully Orion will be in a position along with me to do more of that. Um, But I'm, that's been my, you know, I've been saying this for 10 years. Yeah. Well, that's, I, I hear you on that too. It's, 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 it's a tough thing. I think we're all in the hobby are, are struggling with is how do we find our replacements, you know, the people to do the work once we're no longer doing it. 
Yeah. And so the, the great news is that we have a lot of dedicated people, you know, at Alpo and others who do outreach. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they, you know, they'll set up telescopes in the park and they'll do host star parties and stuff. Right. Right. Uh, what I'm suggesting is that the the business side of it has to to help in, in more of a scale mode. And that's kind of where I'm coming from. I, I we're very appreciative of all the volunteers who do outreach and they do a tremendous job. Um, I just think we need more of it. Yeah. yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. So grabbing your crystal ball, what do you see for the future of innovations in astronomy in telescopes and imagers and these things like that? not giving away any of your future plans that you have down the road, but what do you see? as some of the exciting things to come along for the amateur astronomer? Well, I'll just give you the easy answer. It, it, you know, the technology is advancing, right? So the, the capabilities are just going to continue to increase. I think the, the desire to make things easier, whether it's imaging to make it faster, et cetera, that's just going to continue to accelerate the chip developments, making mm-hmm. the, the imaging cameras the telescope's more powerful. Um, there's advances in manufacturing. So I think things are just going to continue to get more exciting. Um, my hope is that that we're just, I think we're on a good path. I think that the industry's on a good path. And, you know, more more innovation is, is great. Mm-hmm. And Orion and Mead want to contribute to that. Well, that sounds great. That sounds great. So, Peter, you have anything else you'd like to add and talk to our uh, listeners about? Yeah, just the, the final thought. Um, actually, Mead's going to celebrate its 50th anniversary next year. Oh. And that hadn't occurred to us until about two weeks ago. Um, and only because Orion's celebrating its 46th this year. And I was like, well, what's Mead doing? Because I, I knew Mead was slightly older than Orion. Um, so anyway, we're gearing up for that. We're starting to make plans. We've got some exciting ideas, nothing that we can talk about yet. Okay. But um, I think it could be a really exciting year with um, some new innovation, um, some new things from Mead. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's an exciting time, but we're, you know, we're only eight weeks into this acquisition. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot to do, but we're making a lot of fast pro- uh, progress. And uh I think that a year from now, we're going to be in a really good spot and uh, it'll be good for the hobby. There'll be more competition mm-hmm. and more products, more choices for customers. And I think all of that's good. Great. Well, maybe when you can talk about the plans for the anniversary, you can come back on the podcast and share them with our listeners. I'd love to do that. Thank you. Great. Just, uh, also, a, I'd like to, th- um, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, just as a side note, the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers next year will be 75 years old. So we will be celebrating wow. that as well. Yes. That's a big deal. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. You were saying? I'm sorry. Yeah, I just wanted to to thank Alpo. Uh, you've already kind of mentioned some of the activities you guys do, but uh, it's the outreach you do, the educational processes and stuff are very much appreciated. And I wanted to make sure you guys understood that Orion and Mead very much appreciates your contributions to the hobby. Well, 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 thank you very much, Peter. We really appreciate that. And I wish you all the luck in uh, getting this acquisition 
ironed out and everything working smoothly with the two companies and for the future. Thank you, Tim. It was nice to chat with you. Bye now. Well, that'll do it for this episode of The Observer's Notebook. I really want to thank uh, Peter Moreau from Orion and Mead for coming on the podcast today and giving us a real in-depth conversation about what their plans are and the acquisition. I wish them a lot of luck. We upload new episodes of The Observer's Notebook on the 1st and 15th of every month. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. If you do, please rate and review us. I really appreciate it. And you can also listen to us on Apple Radio, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, and that little box that sits in your house, the Amazon Echo. You can help support the podcast by donating to it via Patreon by giving up to $35 a month, where you will receive one year's membership to the Oppo and producer credits on the podcast. And with that, I want to thank the producers of this podcast, Steve Seedentop and Michael Moyer, for their continued generous support of the Observer's Notebook. Thank you very much. The link for Patreon, as well as the link for the Alpo, is in the show notes. If you'd like to get a hold of me, my email address is cometman at cometman.net or on the Twitter at, at @observersnbpod. Until next time, my hope is you always have clear and steady skies. Thanks for listening. <laughs>